Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 132 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you. We are going to go to our Oilers Now headliner for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training and is taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and their clients. We are pleased to be joined on the line by a guy that I have not seen since March 11th, and I know it's hard for him to hear that. Uh, We welcome back to the show Edmonton Oilers assistant coach. He's been a head coach in the NHL with both Dallas and Calgary. He runs the Oilers power play, Glenn Gullison. Glenn, how are you doing? Good stuff. How are you? I do miss you, man. I do miss you. I just want to get back to some form of normalcy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are you Are you in Calgary? Are you in Saskatchewan? Where are you right now? No, I'm in, uh, I'm in Calgary here with the family, and uh, I got uh, three kids going to school, and I'm trying to make them do their work. So that's about what I'm doing. And uh, did you, when you're at the unit, did you take education at the University of Saskatchewan, by the way? I'm just yes, trying to I think. did. Yes, I did. <laughs> is, it, is it coming through right now for you, or has it been an exercise in futility? Well, you know what, it takes me a little longer, you know, but believe it or not, stuff, my dad was a uh, calculus teacher, so I have, a, I have a math degree from the U of S, so I'm a math teacher too, but it's been put to the test here with even grade 10 math, so I've had to... Uh, I've had to sit down. It takes me about uh, three times the length of time to figure out a problem these days. My uh, daughter's in grade 11, and uh, she's starting to give me a run on Jeopardy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know how much of a know-it-all I am, so that's a, that's a hard spiel. Uh, do you find yourself... Uh, and as you know, I'm hosting the show, you know, five days a week, and we do on, it, you know, 6:30 chat. It's not just sports, but it's it's news and public affairs and uh, and talk uh, and the whole kit and caboodle is wrapped up in one thing right now, which is COVID-19. I'm sure you're aware that the numbers in Edmonton are pretty good in comparison to some other places in uh, in the province. Uh, yesterday, over 900 tests done in Edmonton, zero positive cases. Uh, there's like one positive uh, test in, in or one currently active test in St. Albert, none in Sherwood Park. Uh, you know, basically, Red Deer has had very few positive tests, and but Calgary's in a little bit different situation. Do you do you catch yourself sort of monitoring and following it a bit, or or not? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, obviously, our doctors are keeping us updated all the time. Um, and and TD and we're getting all the numbers and just kind of looking at those things we see how well Edmonton's doing and um, you know just you know to to spin this into hockey too we're just you know we're hoping that something can 
can happen here and I've heard all the chat about Edmonton being a host team or, or, or something to that nature and that, that would be great. We, we would really like that. Glenn Gullitson, Oilers assistant coach, joining us. Glenn, you had the number one ranked power. I look at the special teams because, uh, you know, obviously the team was second in the division, three points behind Vegas, number one in the league in the power play, number two in the league in the penalty killing. Now, I personally believe the Oilers had a better a chance to see their five-on-five play improve down the stretch. I don't know if, hypothetically, if we get back, if you could just fire up the special teams and play at the level. I mean, that's a pretty ridiculous level, you know, to be first and second, respectively. That's going to be hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I would be hard-pressed off, and this would be a good one for you. I'd be hard-pressed to find in, in the National Hockey League where um, two specialty team units were um, were running that high combined. So I don't know what that would be. 29 and 85 would be, uh, you know. 114. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's been much higher than that. Um, in the I think Tampa of... came. Tampa may have come close once in the last couple of years here with uh, John Cooper, but I think yep. the orders are currently higher than that right now. So it's been it's it's been a pretty good go. What do you think has been like? You've you've been looking after this power play for the last couple of years here. Uh, what are the sort of central themes that have allowed you guys to have the success that you've had? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing, and, 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 and everyone knows this, I think everyone that's out there follows the others, we have great players. I mean, we have great players. We have, the, we have, we have fantastic players, and um, when you put those guys all on the ice together, really it's the job of the coach to probably not get in the way. Um, but what we have done is, is give them a theory, um, basically, on, on what – what we're looking at for to, to have a successful power play, and um, basically that theory is we've got we feel we've got real dynamic players, as everybody knows, um, that can make plays on the move and can shoot, and uh, so we want motion. We we want them. Uh, we don't want them static, trying to pass the thing into the net. We want them dynamic, where they can, um, you know, they're, they're they're in motion and they can make plays in motion. And uh, you know, the second part of that is. Um, we want to be more direct, so we've asked, you know, Connor and Leon and, and Nuge and, and those guys to, to shoot more and and, uh, and create uh, what we call more road hockey conditions off rebounds and stuff like that because, you know, they're, they're great players. So that's basically the theory of the power play is, is we want these players to be dynamic and direct. You know, it's interesting. Like, we, th- we think of Connor and Leon and their first-line players. I mean, let's face it, uh, Leon's probably going to win the Hart Trophy. He's, he's you know, because uh, the likelihood is, Glenn, we're not going to have a resumption of the regular season. Uh, he's going to finish the lead, leading the league in scoring, and, you know, Leon was s- second in goals and fourth in points last year. Connor's Connor. You know, he's been second in points here the last couple of years and after leading the league in points the two previous years. And So you got those two guys. No one would de- deny that they're first-line uh, players. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. At 5-on-5 five five at center, the numbers would suggest points per 60-wise as a center. 5-on-5 five five has not been a first-line player. But since coming in the league in 2011, his power play numbers, he is a first-line guy. He is an elite power play guy, isn't he? Yeah, there's no question about it. He goes under the radar a little bit in there. And I can remember him. Uh, playing at Rexall when he was a young kid coming in and him coming off the half wall and snapping pucks. And I think it might have been under Ralph Kruger that year that I think Edmonton's power play was 
was clicking pretty good. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the year before I was in Dallas. Third. But, they finished third that year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, who is this guy that uh, can come off the, par- uh, the half wall and, and shoot pucks like that? And, uh, you know, another great player was, was Kessel that did that, uh, you know, very well. And, you know, Nuge just has that ability. I think, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not the one to speak out of turn. We got great players, but certainly in the zone, uh, Nuge is as capable as, as those those other two guys. I mean, uh, uh, he, he is, he's a really good power play guy, especially when he's in the zone. He's got that sneaky good shot coming off the half wall, and that's, and that's really half the battle on, on the power play. All right, you mentioned creating chaos and, and getting goals off collateral damage and that sort of thing. How's the power play different, in your opinion, from when you have James Neal than when you have Alex Chase on it, excluding the obvious lefty-righty situation? Uh, yeah, you know, that's, you know if, if, you, if you look at the stats, stuff, which I'm sure you did, or, or all the fancy stats, as, as guys want to call them, they're probably we create a little bit more with Alex. Um, but the puck probably goes in at, at nearly the same rate with, with James. And I think um, we got off to a really good start with Neeler. Uh, what Neeler gives you um, in, a, in our traditional setup, and you know we change a little bit with Connor on his, on his off wing, um, what James gives Connor is an outlet play to low low ice there, and um, you know he gets you know he's got some some real good deflections from the other side, but that side he's jammed home a few. James is really good. Neil is really good around the net, really good in tight spaces. Got a long reach, got a quick little release around there, and uh, you know he's a big body in front. So on Connor's side, it gives Connor more options uh, to, to, to do a, to go low and have uh, James or have Neeler jam the net. So uh, traditionally that's a little different on the other side um, uh, on Nuge's side, typically playing downhill when Alex Chason's out there, he gives Nuge uh, another option, right? And that's that low play to, uh, uh, for a jam on that side, uh, but also low play to the middle and a low play back door to a lefty. So it, it just kind of fits a little better with the righty there for options. Yeah. However, Jane, however, Neeler's, Neeler's taken a lot of advantage of that, that far side. So, um, you know, there's the beauty about it. Uh, and the beauty of the whole power play is, is, is that the, the three lefties, Nuge, um, Connor and Leon, they all switch spots and they all can give it a slightly different look. Uh, Leon can get out of the middle and gives you a one-timer look. Uh, Connor can play all three. Nuge can play all three. But it, it, when they switch, uh, different options open up. And that's the same with Neeler and Chaser. So that's your long answer. When you switch those two, it's a little bit tougher and less predictable for the killers as well. Can you educate our listeners on the importance of puck retrievals, especially for the low guy down, uh, you know, closest to the net? Yeah, you know, I um, puck retrievals are really important, and um, one of the things on the power play is when I when you talk about playing downhill or in motion. Uh, from the, your your side guys, Connor and, and Nuge, typically um, they're easier to pounce on pucks that end up in the corners. But your your middle guy and your net front guy um, really have to be good at anticipating where those rebounds are going to go, jump on loose pucks, and win that quick battle and, and know where their outs are. And uh, um, I, I just did a conference stuff on on where you put your smartest players on a power play and. 
you know, that's why Leon's effective in the middle. He's smart. He knows where pucks are going to go. He knows where to move, and he can he can uh, create. He can get a hold of them, hold them, and make the next play. So the net front guy and that middle guy, Alex Jason, Neeler, uh, Leon, typically they're important. It's, it gives you a chance to to repaint the picture and get another chance. We're joined right now by Oilers assistant coach Glenn Gullitson. He runs the uh, Oilers power play, ranked number one in the uh, NHL. It's been hovering around 30% all season. Um, Glenn, it's interesting, right? I mean, there was a time like, hey, the Calgary Flames of the 1980s, they get the puck back to McInnes and he'd shoot the pill. Uh, even San Jose, as late as, you know, when Todd was coaching there in 08, 09, 9, 10, they would try to, you know, w- win the faceoff and get a puck back to the point. And they had guys that could do it because they had guys like Brent Burns, 10, 11, 11, 12, get that, you know, get it back to the point, let it rip. Uh, but it, I think things have moved a bit on the power play in that regard. I mean, maybe you could just speak to the role of the defenseman and maybe them having to be a little selective and not just pounding the pill. Yeah, I, it, you know, there are some special players in our league, and you you, you mentioned some of them there. Um, and, and certainly Ovi uh, comes to mind, right, just the way he can shoot the puck. And those power plays tend to be a little static, um, but they rely on, uh, you know, sometimes an elite player with an elite skill set and um so so they can work that way there, there's certainly no question they they could work i think but with with long-term uh, success on a power play you have to be a little bit more dynamic and i do think like you said stuff things have changed so uh, if you just look at our power play uh, i know when i first came to uh, edmonton there was a big push um on we need a right shot defenseman um yep. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, we'd have to get a, a, you know, Clef has just done an unbelievable job, probably the most underrated guy in our power play right now. And, um, you know, a lot of credit goes to those big three, but he, he's been unbelievable. And uh, the, the reality is you don't, uh, you know, that big bomb from the point isn't as, isn't as, as helpful as sometimes as, as people think because, um you know, a lot of times guys don't want to stand there if guys are fired 108 mile one timers at their ears, right? So you don't quite get the screen you want. <laughs> the, the rebounds are the rebounds are a little tough to get because if it doesn't score, if it hits the goalie's pads or or misses the net, it's usually out of the zone or rebounding so far that you can't get it to stay in that prime area where you can bang home some rebounds. So it does have some disadvantages, and a lot of teams have gone away from it. Um, I think if that's your one-trick pony, you're never going to have a good power play. Just setting up a one-timer, I think it's better off uh, if, you, if you're much more dynamic and have uh, opportunities to score from different areas. All right, I, I, and I'm serious about this. Uh, the, so the penalty killing unit's number two. The power play's number one, Glenn. Uh, I know the focus is sort of going through the the habits of the power play and that sort of thing and, and, and working on pressure points. But does it benefit a top-ranked power play that it's practicing on a daily basis against guys that are the second-ranked round second rank PK unit in NHL? You know, Stoff, I, I, I don't think it, hel- it helps a, a, a ton. Uh, you know, I've just seen, I, I've just witnessed, I guess, um, typically when you practice power play in, in the NHL, um, the guys don't want to fire through people so, like they will in, 
in real fire, right, when, when the yep. game's on. So you never quite can simulate it exactly. You're not going to have guys diving in front of shots in practice. You, you're not going to have this, the same quality, right? So um, I, I don't know if those two correlate. I think the biggest thing with our special teams, especially the penalty kill, is and one again, we've, we've got some really good killers. I think, uh, you know, Archie and she there have done a heck of a job, as with Nuge and JJ. And, um, our, our defense have been lights out all year back there. And, and Jimmy's done a heck of a job of getting them all on the same page. We're, we're, we're a lot more aggressive, if you probably look at it from from your eyes. Uh, the trigger points are pretty well defined. They, they, they've, uh, they've got really in tune, and the goaltenders have, have been phenomenal there. Uh, yeah, one of the things that they've done is they've kind of siphoned off the, the kill zones. You know what I mean? They've limited the, the high-grade opportunities in spots where the Oilers were giving them up in the past. Two of the top five, so put it this way, three of the top five-ranked PK units, uh, Glenn, in the NHL are in the Pacific Division. San Jose's at number one, Arizona's at number five. Do they kill the same way, or do they do things differently? No, completely different, those two, uh, completely different. Um, San Jose is, is, is got a pretty unique, well, I wouldn't say that. It's, it's kind of a, a system that uh, was brought about by the Islanders in, uh, geez, I would say 2015 or 2016. Okay. And uh, I believe it was uh, Coach Cronin there that, that brought that in. I'm not sure on that, but uh, it's a real aggressive forward penalty kill. It's real unique. Um, what's with that kind of penalty kill is it puts a lot of pressure on the forwards, doesn't give them a lot of time to set up on the half hole, um, and is very predictable of where the shots are coming from. So the goalies know what type of shot they're facing when they face it. The drawback, if not executed properly in that system uh, that San Jose implements, is that uh, when you do get a chance, usually it's a big one. And um, so... But they, they've done just a heck of a job there. Phoenix kills the, uh, very similar to the way we do, not completely, but, but close. Um, and they're very aggressive. They've, they've got really specific triggers that, that, that start their aggression. So they're, they're actually two different. If you look at penalty kill, they're, they're polar opposites of each other. Okay. Uh, one final question for Glenn. Glenn, uh, we talked a lot about the technical side of it and how they're drawn up. There's the personal side as well, and I know you stay in contact uh, with the players, and, and that's probably occurred during this as well. And the, the guys are, you know, likely chomping at the bit to get back, but there's a lot of questions out there, aren't there, in terms of whether or not we're even going to get that opportunity. Yeah, no, no question. You know, all the work we put in, it's just like anything else. You know, a guy puts in the work, and you want to see your project finish, and you know, the guys that I've talked to over this and during this time, you know, there was, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Stoff, there's a lot of excitement about coming back and playing, and the guys wanted to, uh, you know, to finish this thing off. But the longer we go, it, it almost seems like you, you get a little detached, right? And yep. maybe some little, you get a little dejected. Um, but, man, I just reached out to our guys last week, and they're they're all hoping that we can get back and they can get back to Edmonton. I think... Uh, I think just psychologically, a lot of them want to be together with with some of the stuff that we went through here in in in, in April. Glenn, look, we really appreciate the uh, the time. I hope to have a chance to see you soon. Okay. Yep. You take care, stuff. That is Glenn Gultz, an Oilers assistant coach. It's one fifty in Edmonton. When we come back this day in Oilers history, you're listening to Oilers now. 
Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. What do you figure? Does he win the heart? You can text us at 780-496-0063, leading score in the NHL at the time of the pause. And the way we're headed right now may not get a resumption of the regular season. We might only be looking at a potential playoff if we can even get going back. All right, Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza now has curbside pickup and takeout for uh, the menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, May 11th, 1988, the Edmonton Oilers close out the Detroit Red Wings 8-4 in Game 5 of the Campbell Conference Final. Uh, the Wings had won the Chuck Norris division that year, and uh, Jacques Demare was their head coach. Craig Simpson scored the first two goals in the game. Crucial Niski added a couple. Uh, Mark Messier had a four-point performance, and Edmonton took it to Detroit 8-4. It became known as the Goose Loonies incident in Red Wings lore. The uh, night before the game, several Red Wings players, including Peter Klima and Bob Probert, ended up at Goose Loonies, who for a certain uh, generation of Oilers listeners... uh, probably was a place you'd like to maybe forget on a lot of nights but it was a a south side establishment and it had a shelf life uh, roughly off the top of my head i'm thinking from about 1984 into 89 there was berry teas on the south side and they were and there was goose loonies and uh the red wings had a multitude of players there the night before they played game five, and some of them got in very, very late. Jacques Demers, their head coach, uh, spoke about it, was frustrated by it. The story got out that the Red Wings weren't focused on playing game five against Edmonton. They got routed. Demers stayed with the Red Wings for two more years. They actually finished first in the division again in 88-89, got eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.